Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 380. This is Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, this was a doozy. It took me actually several attempts to get through this one uh, because there were layers in here and I always, that makes me a little nervous where I don't want to miss anything uh, or get anything wrong. So, uh, and I also kind of have been rusty because I haven't recorded in so long that I think it was, I don't know if it was, um, me or the actual reading, but either way, I'm glad to be back. I've gotten through it all in one sitting, so I feel like I know enough to at least cover the material, and uh, hopefully God will show you the truths and the little nuggets that can be meaningful to you. So let me go back to the last lesson, lesson, or it was Isaiah 13, okay? God used Isaiah to warn the Babylonians of their coming destruction. And he gave them all the gory details, too, so there would be no confusion when it happened that it was him, right? It all happened because of the anger of the Lord for them enslaving his people. So if you're like me, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Didn't God himself use the Babylonian army as a pawn to punish his people? And the answer is yes. Yes, he did. He rules the nations. So if you want to go back to that, that's in Isaiah 5. Um, that was definitely very clear that, you know, God rules the nations. He's in control of it all, the leaders and the earth itself. You know, he can move armies and mountains with equal ease, right? So we need to remember that God is holy and just and that he had to punish sin. And Jesus hadn't come yet. So this is still hardcore Old Testament. The Israelites were supposed to be living right and atoning for their sins. They were supposed to do the offerings, the festivals, all that stuff to purify themselves. And my guess is they weren't doing any of it. So we don't always understand the why and maybe sometimes it seems unfair. But when, but when we know the character of God, we have to trust that he does know what he is doing. He has his reasons and he is doing it for the good of those who love him, right? Romans 8, 28. Um, so back to today's reading, chapter 14, Isaiah is ex explaining to the Israelites that their punishment has been fulfilled. It's complete. And he will soon bring them back to their own land where he will give them rest. The destruction of Babylon will bring them freedom that they haven't experienced in a long, long time. So chapter 14, verse one says, but the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people. Once again, he will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. Now, of course, we've seen God rescue his people before. He did it when he used Moses to free them from captivity in Egypt, right? It's just another example of how as humans, we just repeat the same dreadful cycles of stupid over and over again as generations passed. But this time we see something new in scripture. And it is a little curious. Verses, um, if we continue with verse one through verse two, it says, and people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. The nations of the world will help the people of Israel to return. And those who come to live in the Lord's land will serve them. Those who captured Israel will themselves be captured and Israel will rule over its enemies. So I want to 
cue in on the idea that the different nations will come and join and unite with the people of Israel. That's curious. And, and so another reason why, because of biblical prophecy and things found in Isaiah and Revelation, we do need to keep an eye on Israel and what's going on in there. There will be rest in Israel. Verse 3 says, In that wonderful day when the Lord gives his people rest from sorrow and fear, from slavery and chains, you will taunt the king of Babylon, you will say. And then I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit. But first I want to read a note from the study Bible about this. It says, A prominent theme in Isaiah is that non-Israelites would join the returning Israelites. God's intention was that through his faithful people, all the world will be blessed. That was in Genesis 12, 3. And we know that's true um, because they're blessed through Christ, right? The family of David. There's some depth there with the people coming back to Israel, people uniting with Israel, Israel getting rest. And it's beyond my comprehension, I'll be honest, at this point. Um, as so often happens with scripture, there is prophecy for the near future here and prophecy for end times. It's It covers both, it seems. So I'm not going to get too deep into that because I don't want to get it wrong, but I, I can recognize that it's there. Okay. Then it goes into this from verses 4 through 11, where they're talking about the king. You will taunt the king of Babylon, you will say. This is because God's going to destroy the king of Babylon. He's going to destroy all of Babylon. And so um, his people will basically rejoice, right? For the Lord has crushed your wicked power and broken your evil rule. You struck the people with endless blows of rage and held the nations in your angry grip with unrelenting tyranny. He was a dictator. He was an evil, wicked dictator that ruled with an iron fist. And he, he lived in royal splendor while the people beneath him lived in squalor. But this is curious. Verse 8 says, Even the trees of the forest, the cypress trees, and the cedars of Lebanon sing out this joyous song. Since you have been cut down, no one will come now to cut us down. So some people get wigged out when the Bible uses uh, literal, literary imagery like this. But sometimes it's just imagery and poetic, and sometimes it actually means something. So Easy English said about this verse, it says the evil rulers had been using masses of wood for fuel. And when they attacked the walls of the cities, they had no consideration for the future. We know that trees need years to grow, right? So he knows that they've been cutting down the trees of the forest in their haste and disrespect for we're to be good stewards of everything that he gives us, including the things in nature and trees take years to grow. And so even the trees would rejoice that he was cut down, right? That he was destroyed. So that was just interesting. I thought I'd share that with you. And then... I want to read again from my study Bible. It gives a good synopsis. It says, power fades quickly. God permitted Babylon to have temporary power for a purpose, to punish his wayward people. When the purpose ended, so did the power. Beware of placing confidence in human power because one day it will fade, no matter how strong it appears now. Right? No leader, no nation, no army, 
none of it will protect us like God will protect us, right? He is bigger and more powerful than anything on earth. Okay, these verses could have both present and future significance. Oh, this is in reference to verses 4 through 11. It says it's talking about, um, this has, these verses could have both present and future significance in reference to Babylon. The historical city and empire would be permanently destroyed. Um, Babylon has also been used as a picture of all those who oppose God. So in end times, all who oppose God will also be destroyed and all evil will be removed from the earth forever. So again, this scripture seems to have a double meaning, right? Like it explains what's going on with the king of Babylon and with the Babylonian army and with the Babylonian nation, but it also alludes to what could happen or what will happen in end times. Okay, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Verse 13. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. So the king has gotten so full of himself and so prideful that he believes that he is a god. Or he's up there with the gods, right? So he said, I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. He's referring to Mount Zephon in north Syria. And the people of the land of Canaan at this time, they believed in several gods. We know that. So they believed that mountain was where all the gods had their meetings, right? Where they ruled the earth from that place. And so he's saying he views himself as a god. Um, He will climb the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, Isaiah is saying, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. So we know that they're talking about King of Babylon. It's no surprise that he's very prideful, but this also has obvious ties to Satan and prophecy in Revelation that refers to um, end times and how Satan will be defeated. Um, everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? So this is, again, you know, reminds us that regardless of how powerful an evil force can seem, nothing is above God. The kings of the nations lie in stately glory, each in his own tomb, but you will be thrown out of your grave like a worthless branch, like a corpse. trampled underfoot you will be dumped into a mass grave with those killed in battle that is a specific prophecy go down to verse um 21 it says kill this man's children let them die because of their father's sins they must not rise and conquer the earth filling the world with their cities you know the king's own sons would suffer for his actions if you go back to exodus 34 7 When God tells Moses up on Mount Sinai, after he gives him the Ten Commandments, he said, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive inequity, rebellion, and sin. Even back in Exodus, he said, I forgive. Right? But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected even children in the third and fourth generations. So that's what the scripture is referring to, that This will have consequences for generations. 
And it's not referring just to the king's sons. It's actually, you know, all of the sons of Babylon. This will play out for generations. Um, And we know that, you know, that's a reminder to us today, even though we have Jesus and we can be forgiven, our actions do oftentimes when we make really bad choices, they do affect those generations that come behind us. Uh, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I myself have riven, has, have risen against Babylon. I will destroy its children and its children's children, says the Lord. The Lord of Heaven's armies have spoken. Okay. Then it goes into a message about Assyria. I will break the Assyrians. When they are in Israel, I will trample them on my mountain. My people will no longer be their slaves, nor bow down under their heavy loads. So this says, um, I have a note here to refer if you want to see prophecy. This prophecy fulfilled, it's in 2 Kings 19, verses 20 through 37. I'm not going to go through that because this message is going to be too long. Um, But if if that interests you and you want to look it up, also look at Isaiah chapter 37, verses 21 through 38. Okay, then it has a message about Philistia or Philistia. I don't know how you say it, but about the Philistines, right? Verse 28, this message came to me the year King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, your Philistines, that the rod that struck you is broken. It's not referring to King Ahaz. It's actually referring to, um, my references say, King Shalmaneser V or King Sargon of Assyria. That rod that struck you is broken, that the king who attacked you is dead. Do not rejoice. Do not celebrate because guess what? For from that snake, a more poisonous snake will be born. So they're like, yay, God's going to kill our enemy. And then wait, what? Something worse is coming? A fiery serpent to destroy you. Well, that's not good news. Um, and then you go down a little bit. It says, I will wipe you out with famine and destroy a few the few who remain. Um, verse 31, a powerful army comes like smoke from the north. Each soldier, soldier rushes eager forward eager to fight this is referring to the soldiers of sargon of assyria that would be coming to attack that's prophecy that will happen um what should we tell the philistines messengers tell them the lord has built jerusalem its walls will give refuge to his oppressed people so people will never find real safety in great men great nations great armies great wealth Nothing on this earth, you can make this personal and it doesn't matter how big your safe is and how stuffed full it is of gold bars or how well equipped your fallout shelter is or, you know, there's no preparations. There's nothing that we can put our faith in that will protect us, that will care for us the way that God will. People, Israelites and us, we will only find real safety in the Lord God, the one true God. So... Very good lesson. A lot of meat in there. I'm excited to be back and um, hope you all have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.